to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. If you don't have your Bibles, you can uh, turn to the screen. And this is the Apostle Paul writing. And I want to talk to you about this, this message ahead of, uh, of Rewind Night next week. And I think it's really important as we get ready for that. But he says this. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. And he says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom or eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those being saved, it is the power of God. He did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. I want to preach on this message for the next few minutes, this idea I know what I'm here to do. I know what I'm here to do. If you're taking notes, which I would encourage every single person uh, to make this a rhythm in your life. We've been in this series the last few weeks that we just ended on patterns. This is one of the greatest patterns you can have. Is you bring a journal, you bring your Bible to church, you take notes, and you, you, you get it on the inside of you. I'm not speaking empty words. The word of God has life in it. Man, if you will apply it, if you'll get it in you, it's going to change your life. And I'm not saying that as an idea. I'm saying that as proof. So uh, bring notes, take notes, but you can write that down. I know what I'm here to do. Would you bow your heads one more time? Let's pray and invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. God, thank you for your word. We pray that it would change us from the inside out. We pray that you give us boldness this week. We pray that you'd give us opportunities. And we thank you, God, that in all things, God, you placed us in this moment, in this season, in this day, in this world for a reason, that it is not by accident that we're here, but it's on purpose. And God, we pray that we would discover that and walk in it and see you do amazing things. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said, amen. Um, I don't know if you've ever had someone, um, or, or if you've ever been the kind of person who's trying to do something that you're not good at. Anyone ever done that? Um, I would consider myself a rel- relatively decent sports competent person. I'm not, I'm not going to try and say, like, I'm a super athlete, okay? I'm not. I, I, in fact, in high school, I rollerbladed. Okay, it's not that it's not very cool. Um, I dug it. I thought it was cool. Um, in hindsight, I probably could have done some things to garner some more attention from the ladies. Just got to be honest. Um, it not all of the things were working for me. It just did. I don't. I don't. I wasn't thinking ahead. I could have. I, I. I. I just knew that I wasn't good at some sports. I played basketball in uh, elementary school. If you didn't know this about me, I was a. Uh, I was. Um, a, I, from an early age, I knew how to spin the basketball on my finger. I, could, I can bounce it off my head and catch it. I can bounce it off my knees. I can do tricks with it. I, ever since first grade, I've known how to do that. Um, I was always around basketball players. My dad was a youth pastor, and so the, the, the guys on the basketball team taught me how to do it. And so my friends in fourth grade were like, Taylor, you got to join the basketball team. Of course, you'd be good. And so I'm in fourth grade, and I, I go to... I go, um, go join the basketball team. I'm like, okay. And um, I was very, very bad at basketball. I was very, very, very bad. I was really bad at basketball. I, I was very bad. Here's, the, here's how bad I was. I never took a single shot the entire year. When I got the ball, I passed it immediately to whoever was closest. And I tried to stay out of the way. I would stay on the perimeter. They'd tell me to go on the inside. I'd say, no, I don't want to do that. You, I, don't want, I don't want to play. I don't even want to be here right now. 
I, I was so, here's how bad I was. On the last day, I've told this story before, on the last day of, of my fourth grade season, last day of my fourth grade season, I, um, we, we get towards the end of the game, and, and uh, the, 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 the coach um, who'd known me for a long time, he called me Murray. He just called me Murray. And, uh, and he, uh, he, he, uh, he pulls the team together, and he says, hey, guys, Murray hasn't made a shot all year. Um, I think we should give him a chance. Which, by the way, it's like, hey, coach, I know your intent is good here. Not making me feel great about myself. Like, I already know, like, you don't got to tell me. I'm not good at basketball. I'm trying to finish what I started because I'm committed to it. I'm going to let my yes be yes. But, friend, I do not want to do this. I hate this. And so they give me the ball. I'm telling you. The first time they passed the ball to me, it landed on my head because I wasn't looking. And so they're like, come on, we got to keep trying. So they pass it to me. I got to take a shot. And it got to the point. Now, granted, this is fourth grade. My ego has since grown out of this. But in fourth grade, I think the other team caught wind and they kind of backed off to relieve some of the pressure so that I could make a shot. So it takes me three shots, and I finally make one, and they all cheer, and they put me on their shoulders. I'm like, guys, this is not, this is not something, this is not something to celebrate. This is something to mourn. All the way, though, to the point where I joined the team again the next year for whatever reason. They're like, come on, dude. Obviously, you've made a shot now. You've got one under your belt. Maybe, maybe you'll get some rhythm there, you know? It's fun. you got to be on the team. But this time it was different because I got on the team and I knew I'm not good at basketball. I'm never going to be, and I don't want to be. I have no aspiration. I don't need you to feel good. Like, I don't need you to tell me I'm good. I don't need you to encourage me. I don't want you to teach me. I don't want you to show me. I don't want to be good at basketball, and I'm okay going the rest of my life only wanting to play bump. I'm good with it. Does anyone like to play bump? Like, they don't like to play basketball, but they're down with some bump. Like, that's, that's fake basketball. That's my game, and I will beat you at that every time. Okay, maybe. So, so I'm, I'm uh, I, I rejoined the team, and the coach, I think the coach was really curious as to why I joined the team. But I was at a Christian school, so he really didn't have much to pick from. Small school. And so, so this time, though, there, there were enough people on the team, and, and I said, Coach, I really think I'm better served on the bench cheering the team on that's playing. I, I think I'm, I'm better, like, if you want me to play, I'll play. What, I'll do whatever you need me to do. But I think I'm best on the bench. He said, you know, Murray, I, th I think I agree. <laughs> and he kept me on the bench as much as he probably legally could. But the funny thing is, is that first time, I, I kind of struggled with this, I wish I was better. I struggled with, I wish I was 
better at shooting shots, or I wish I was more intuitive with a basketball IQ. I was okay at baseball. I was kind of middle of the road. I, I mean, baseball's really not hard to understand, which is why I was pretty okay at baseball, and that's why the Mariners, all those guys made it to the team, and it's really, they're really not that great, and, and that's why we've gone 20 years without a playoff berth, and, and uh, but that's another story for another day, but I, 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 I struggled for a while until I realized perhaps my position on the team, the reason that I was struggling with it is because I forgot why I was there. I think sometimes what we try and do is we hear a, a message or we see worship and, and we come into an environment like this and we now project onto ourselves what it has to look like for us to, to step forward into what God's called us to do. And what we need to do, what you need to do, is you need to know why you are here. Because if you don't know why you're here, you'll start trying to do something that you're not meant to do. You ever found that? Like, you ever, you ever done that where you're in a space or on a team or in a group and you keep trying to, like a square peg, you, you keep trying to be the person who's going to fit into that circle and you don't know why things aren't jiving and you don't know why it just doesn't work and you don't know why that every time you leave you feel sick and you feel wrong or you feel like there's something missing and you keep trying to to fit into that or you keep trying to to perform so that all the people see the way that you worship and the way that you do things and all of this kind of stuff and what you do is you start trying to put on something that was never meant to be on you and you forget why you're here. And see, Paul, I think at some point in his journey, right? So I don't know if you know much about Paul's journey. Paul was essentially, I'll give you a little bit of history. Paul was a, was a really bad dude. He was a zealous Jew, okay? So before, before the times of Jesus, before Jesus had come, the, the Jewish people had been promised a Messiah in the prophetic books of the Old Testament, Isaiah and so on. They, they knew a Messiah was coming, and the Messiah was the, the anointed one who we now know to be Jesus. Now, they knew that there was a Messiah coming, and he would be the one to redeem the people of God once and for all. This had been prophesied about, but they weren't sure when it was going to come. So Paul was a zealot. He was a part of the, the, like the, the far like the far off. You ever heard, you know, you know, most of us in here might consider ourselves being, you know, on the, the, the right or the left side of things, but most of us would probably, I hope, maybe be kind of centered, meaning we're, we're normal and like we can disagree and agree on things and it's okay and we still like each other. But then there's those people who are on like the far right or the far left and they're just real whack. This was Paul. He was crazy. To the point where he facilitated the murder and the death of Christians when they came around. Because he was so threatened that his way of life and that his people, the, his mode of doing things, he was so intimidated and threatened by this person, Jesus, and the people following him, that he had to do something to shut it down. This is Paul. But Paul has this moment, not long after facilitating the murder of one of, of Jesus' 12 disciples. He, he's, he's done some nasty stuff. He's not a good dude. And he's notorious for this reputation. But Paul has this moment on the road to Damascus, and he, he meets with God. 
And this is the importance of, side note, this is the importance of, of a night like next week. Okay? We have, we have people in this room right now. I mean, look, Naharka right here, who was up here tonight, had a moment like this, maybe not like road to Damascus light after she killed someone. I don't think she's killed anyone. But five years ago at neon night, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> wow, we'll talk later, okay? Just make sure. You've got to fully vet everybody. Um, but five years ago at a, at a neon night, she was invited by someone who's not here today, but was invited and came in, and the trajectory of her life changed, and she didn't even know it. This is the power of next week, friends. It is not about filling a room or getting merch, which is going to be fire. You are going to want to get here early. And uh, it's going to be legitimate. Not just legit, it's going to be legitimate. But this is, the, this is the power of an encounter like that. And Paul has one of these. And, and God says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And long story short, God changes his name to Paul. And over the next 17 years, over the next 17 years, Paul has a journey before we even know his public ministry where he's writing these letters known as the Apostle Paul. He spends 17 years in this preparation season. And he comes to this point where now he's writing to a church that he has authority over and he's saying, hey, I'm not here to baptize here to preach the gospel. Now, that might, okay, what does that even mean? Baptize is a good thing, right? But Paul, in this moment, is actually underlying something that is deeper than baptism versus good news or something like that. What he's saying here is in understanding the role of the New Testament believer, okay? That's what you and I are. I'm getting into a little bit theological here, so bear with me. Paul, in this moment, is reminding the church, you and me, of what our role in society is. And our role, as much as it at times will be to facilitate baptism, our primary role is to preach the gospel. Your first and foremost, most important reason that you are here on the planet is not to give gifts to people, not to facilitate baptism, not to try and be the answer to someone, not to give advice. Not any of that. Your, your job is to simply be the carrier of a message. That's it. It's the only reason that you are here. It is not to do anything else. It is not to be really bad at basketball. It is not to go and have a career. It is not to go and be as popular as you can or become an influencer. All of those things I want you to do, and I want you to tag me when you post. But at the end of the day, your job is, above all else, is to be a carrier of a message that transcends you. That's your role. And Paul understood this. He's saying, hey, I, I know why I'm here. I know the reason that I'm here. And it's to carry a message. And this is what I want you to understand tonight. You can write this down, number one. You carry good news. I don't know if you knew this, but you carry good news. He says this, for Christ 
did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And here's the truth. I don't know. Raise your hand. I, 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 maybe I, I won't. Okay, I'm not going to have you raise your hand. Many of us in here have probably, if we've been around for maybe some time, um, and you're following Jesus, perhaps you've been baptized, right? If you haven't, I would love to chat with you, talk with one of your leaders, and we can sign you up to get baptized here uh, soon at the church. We would love to do that. It's a huge step in the faith of, of a believer. But if you've been baptized, um, I kind of made a joke recently, like you can't baptize yourself. Um, and then someone sent me a video after I said that of this kid who was like so eager to get baptized that he like jumps out of the guy's hands and he dunks himself and it was really funny. But like the idea of getting baptized is you've got now, you have someone facilitating the baptism. You have someone who is walking you through this process, who's holding you, who's releasing you into the water and lifting you back up. There's this partnership and there's this process that is being facilitated. But here's the thing. You can baptize someone, but you know what you can't do? You can't save someone. I could baptize every single one of you. I could. And I would be happy to if you asked me to. I'd happy, be happy to get, you, get in the tank. I'd be happy to meet you at the lake. I've done that with many people over the years. We're in January, it's like 20 degrees out, and we go into Lake Wilderness. We get leeches all over us, and we baptize some of the greatest moments ever. I love it. And, and I love doing that. But you know what I'm doing? Is though I am baptizing the person, I am not saving them. Though I am the one holding their shoulders and helping dunk them underwater, and though I am the one praying with them, and though I am the one saying the words, and though I am the one celebrating with them, and though I am the one in the water or in the tank with them, I am not the one saving them. It is Jesus. And all I'm doing is I'm helping wave the flag that someone saved this person, and now I get to walk the process. But it is not me who saves. And friends, it is not you who can save anybody. And not only that, it is not me who can save you. One time I heard this Preached a message, someone gave their heart to God, and they're like, man, you saved my life today. I'm like, no, I didn't. I can't. And I understand the sentiment. But at the end of the day, the only person who can save is Jesus. And what we do is though we walk a process with people, it is our job actually, most importantly, to carry a message that says, I cannot save you. I can walk with you, but I cannot save you. If you know the journey of Paul, Paul gets that, mo that moment on the road to Damascus. He's blinded, and God tells him to go, turn back the other way, and, and he continues on the road, and he goes to this place, and, and he finds this guy, Ananias, and God had spoken actually to Ananias, and, and we don't hear a lot about Ananias, but he's one of the greatest heroes of the New Testament because he played a small role in actually facilitating the transition of Paul from having the moment with God to the place where he was now in a trajectory of becoming the greatest probably human ever to live other than Jesus. One of the, I mean, he wrote half of the New Testament. The reason you and I are here today is because of the churches that he planted. And, and Ananias was the person who walked the process, but Ananias, even in that moment, as God spoke to him, was not the one who saved. 
And what we've got to do is we've got to remember that it, though it is us who walks process with people, we get coffee with people, we help people, all of that kind of stuff, our goal is to proclaim a truth that I cannot save you, social justice cannot save you, no method can save you, no money can save you, no career can save you, no thing, no idea, no good person living can save you. The only thing that can save any human being on this planet is Jesus, and it is him alone. That's it. That's it. The only people, the only person who can save Jesus. The only way to heaven is Jesus. The only way that people can live this life the way that God has called them to is not through a method and it is not through us. It is not even through church, though that is a huge part. It is Jesus and it is him alone. And we've got to remember that we carry this message. Because sometimes what we do is we forget and we think that we carry the message and we try and own the responsibility of the end results. And here's the thing that you need to understand too. Number two is it's about the message, not the messenger. It's about the message, not the messenger. He says, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom. And this, get this, not with wisdom or eloquence, like fancy speaking. Good orating. Not, he, he didn't say, like, he didn't say, hey, um, I preached the gospel and I got really good with my communication skills. So I was so good that it made people want to get saved. No, no, no. He said, I did not send, God did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom or eloquence, let the cro- lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Here's how, here's how Paul backed this up. There was a time that, that Paul was preaching. And someone was sitting in a, like a second-story windowsill. And Paul preached so long and so boring that the guy fell out of the window and he died. And Paul's like, yo, dude, why are you interrupting my message? So what does he do? He goes down. Yeah, quite literally, a really big buzzkill. He goes down and, and he, he raises the guy from the dead. And he goes back to talking. <clears throat> it's wild, right? And what Paul is saying here, hey, it's not about the messenger. It's not about the method. It's not about how you reach your friends. It's about the message. It's not about how you preach. It's not about how good you are at inviting. It is not about any of that. It is simply about the message that you carry. I don't know if you knew this, but you need to. Whether you like it or not, you've been entrusted. If you believe in Jesus, you've been entrusted with the good news about Jesus. And you now have the weight and the, 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 the invitation to carry that message everywhere you go. But the thing that we do that messes us up is we start to think that it depends on us. Friends, this is number three, is it does not depend on you. You've got to leave the result up to God. Got to leave the result up to God. Here's what he says. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those being saved, it is the power of God. When you invite a friend to Rewind Night next week, when you give advice to your friend who's doubting, when you pray for someone hurting, when you reach out to a friend, please remember this that it is not up to you. 
It's not up to you, right? Got this Frisbee. And uh, here's the thing. Can you throw it back to me, Sabrina? Oh, wow. Let's give it up for Sabrina, right? Let's go, let's go, let's go. Right? Right, and so here's the deal. Thank you, Mason. Three in a row. Okay, okay. So, thank you, Layla. You can, you can toss it back. Whoa, okay, I'm right here. I'm right here. Just lob it, okay? Th thank you. Just Now, here's what happened. I just had this Frisbee. I just had this Frisbee, right? And I threw the Frisbee. Here's what I did not guarantee. I did not have guarantee that it would be caught. You cannot guarantee that every Frisbee that you throw will be caught. But if you're not careful, you will withhold the throw because you're worried it'll get dropped. And the same thing goes with our invitation, friends. The result is not up to you. But you know what is? Is that you throw the toss, right? Whoa. Okay. Okay, probably, we, we just learned a lesson. Great throw. Not your fault. It only hit the light. No worries. Ethan's very mad, but he's, hold, he's holding it in. I'm going to be done. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Listen up. Listen up. Hear me. Hear me. Hear me. If we're not careful, listen up. Listen. 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 I, I, I here, right? I apologize. I distracted you. Here's what I want you to hear from me tonight. Is that if you are waiting for a guarantee that every invitation that you give out will be answered the way you want it, that every time you get advice, give advice to someone that they're going to take it, that every time you reach out to someone and you pray for them, that they're going to receive it and it's going to make a difference in their life, guess what? You are waiting for a time that will never come. You cannot guarantee. You cannot guarantee that your friend is going to come next week. So you know what some of you are probably going to do? You're going to choose not to invite anyways. Because you're worried how you might sound when you do. You're worried how you might come across when, when, when you portray that, hey, I've got a message that I'm carrying. And this message matters. But because I don't want to be weird, I'm just going to wait until the perfect time. But you know what Jesus says? He says, don't wait. Today is the day for salvation. Not tomorrow, not the next day, not next week, not next invite night, not next Sunday. Now, right now, today is the day. And what he's saying is not today is the day for you to guarantee what's going to happen on the other end of your throat. What he's saying is today is the day where you toss and you leave the results up to me. Where you invite and you trust that that seed was planted. Where you, where you say, every, like, I, I, I'm telling you, friends, I cannot make this stuff up. This happens to me on a weekly basis. This week, I get a message from a guy who's wandered from God for years. His family doesn't know God. He's had a rough life. He was in our youth ministry for a little bit, in and out for a while. And uh, his family 
his family kind of moved on and, and he just struggled. And he's had a, he's had a long season of running from God and, and trying every, every option that the world could offer. This week, he messages me on Instagram. And this is not an isolated story. It happens often. And he messages me and he says, hey man, I need God. I need God. And I knew you were the person to go to. That is not an accident, friends. Can, can I tell you? I threw a lot of Frisbees at that guy. I invited him to everything. I talked to his parents. I would be willing, I would go above and beyond to try and create a moment for him. And I was never able to guarantee that it happened. And for and it never really did. And I was always frustrated and worried and wondering, why is he not getting it? Why is she not getting it? Why is he not coming? Why is she wandering? Why is this person doubting? Why is this person turning on God? Why is this happening? And at the end of the day, you know what it does? Is it starts to make me wonder, should I really throw? Because every throw is getting dropped. And every person I feel like is screwing their life up. Every person is searching for identity in every wrong place. And so what do I do? I set the Frisbee down and I say, I'm done trying to throw it. I'm done trying. And to some of you, God is saying, this last year has been hard and it has caused you to wallow a little bit. Should I really be bold? Should I really invite? Man, UD is not what it used to be. Place used to be packed. Worship used to be whatever the word would be that makes it sound cool and great and awesome and great and hypey and whatever. And now it's not. And so what do we do? We start looking at the external and we back off and we say, I don't know, man, not anymore. Like, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait because I need a guarantee that what I'm going to put out there is going to be responded to. And if that is you, then I, I, I just want to challenge you that that is not a Christian thing. And if you are a Christian, then you believe that God is the one who saves and God is the one who sees every seed go to the place where it plants and it roots and it bears fruit and fruit that remains. That is God's job, not yours. All your job to do is to pick up the Frisbee and throw it. And when it gets dropped, what do you do? You pick up the Frisbee and you throw it. And when it gets dropped, what do you do? You pick up the Frisbee and you throw it. And when it gets dropped, what do you do? You pick up the Frisbee and you throw it. And until the day comes where you see in eternity the results of every seed you planted, you will not be able to guarantee anything. I guarantee you right now that you will plant seeds and you will probably already have. Some of you have been faithful to invite. Some of you have been faithful to post on Instagram. Some of you have been faithful to, to pray for your friends. Some of you have been faithful to, to not gossip when everybody does and you cover people. And some of you have been faithful to that. And I'm going to tell you right now, I want to just encourage you that you will not see until you get into heaven every piece of fruit that you just planted. But you will in heaven. You will. You're going to see faces. And they're going to come up to you in heaven and they're going to say, there was a moment, and I remember what I saw you do in the halls. There was a moment where you texted me, where I was on my last, and I never responded to that one, but that planted a seed. God got a hold of my heart three years later in college, and I've never been the same, and you played a part in that. 
I'm guaranteeing you right now, you've got to stop guaranteeing the results and you got to start picking up the Frisbee. There's a whole school full of fear right now that you go to. There's people that are living in hell and they're on their way to it and they don't know God and they need God and it is your opportunity not to save them. That's Jesus' job. But your opportunity is to pick up the Frisbee and say, hey, why don't you come with me next week? Oh, no? Hey, well, what if, what if I give you free food when you come? No, oh, oh, well, there's going to be good merch and it's not churchy. And um, you might even get a giveaway. I'll, I'll talk to Naharka. I'll put in a good word. Maybe she can rig the system and make you win it if you'll come with me, right? She has the power to do that. So, but here's what we're saying is it's not your job to save people, but it is your job to reach out. It's not your job to fix someone's life, but it is your job to be faithful. It's not your job to guarantee, will someone come into the kingdom? Will someone choose to follow Jesus on that night? Some of you will see your friends come and they might not give their life to Jesus on that night, but a seed will have been planted. And all you've got to do is be faithful with what God has put in your hand. And I'm telling you tonight, God has put one of these in every single one of your hands. It is the message of the good news of Jesus Christ, that you can be saved, that you can be set free, that your sins can be forgiven, that you can have new life. And your job now is to throw the Frisbee. Leave the rest to God, who will be faithful. See, Scripture says, and we know this to be true, that he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it until it's done. And I want to tell you, some of you, you feel incomplete even right now. And that's what makes you feel like, like some of you, like a name who I won't name, threw a Frisbee and, it, and hit the wall. They need to work on their aim. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You are incomplete. But God is still working on you. But don't stop throwing this. Some of you are just like, you're like throwing it over your head and it's a really bad throw. And work on it. Build relationships with people. But keep throwing the Frisbee. Keep tossing it. Keep inviting. Keep reaching out. And watch what God's able to do. Would you stand with me all over the room? I want you to close your eyes. I want you to close your eyes, and here's what I want you to do. I know I had you do this earlier. I had you all think of a person, a person who needs to be here next week. And I just believe not every single one of them is going to come, friends. I know this. I mean, I wish. I wish that every invite would yield a result. It might not. Might have friends who say, I'll come sometime, but I can't come next week. I got support, whatever. I don't know. But I guarantee you, that a good percentage of people, when they see a Frisbee coming at them, they're going to catch it. I threw it six times, and four out of the six times it was caught. And I think you'd be surprised that when you step out in faith, how often it just seems like God comes through for you. So don't not throw it because you're afraid that it won't get caught. So I want you to think of that person right now. Once you think of them, I want you to raise your hand. Okay? Once you think of that person, those people, that group of friends, that class, that table at, in your class, the, the table at your lunchroom, 
Okay, the friends in the group, whatever it might be, friends you, you uh, play Xbox with, I don't even know, okay? So raise your hand straight up. We're gonna pray right now. And we're gonna believe that God is gonna use you to throw that Frisbee, to plant that seed and see God do amazing things, not only next week, but in the future in our youth ministry and in our church and in our community. Do you believe that? Come on, do you believe that? Say, would you repeat after me? Say, Jesus, give me strength. Give me faith to plant the seed, to throw the Frisbee, and to leave the results up to you. I trust that you've placed people in my life so that you could use me to point them to you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Hey, hey.